Now, as you gather this morning, it was interesting, as I was sitting here in the front, that, the, the song, um, How He Loves, that was just such a great reminder, and maybe that's what you needed this morning, and you're, you're filled right now. You just need to be reminded that He loves you. Um, that doesn't mean you're dismissed, but um, I still, I still want to share some of God's Word with you, but maybe you just need to reflect on that. That's uh, one of the things I just absolutely love about worship. It touches a completely different part of who you are. And it can get in there and just kind of grab your heart and um, just remind you of all that God has done, who He is, and, and how much He loves you. Do you know that this morning? God loves you. And so we want to we read from His Word this morning, uh, His love letter to us, uh, about how He desires for us to live. Uh, there was a song when I was, uh, when I was growing up, but I just realized when we had a, the graduations last year, I graduated 40 years ago from high school. I got this note, you know, we're having our 40th anniversary. I said, no, I wasn't friends with you now. I'm not friends with you then, so I'm not going to hang out with you. Um, but I was reminded um, of all that we kind of go through uh, in our life. And, and there was a song, it, was, it described what the Bible was, and it was basic instructions before leaving earth. And that's where it kind of, and I've also heard that it, well, it's God's love letter to you about how much he loves you and look at all this stuff. And now uh, if you love him, you'll obey him and the, the desires that he has. But sometimes it's just practical living. Uh, that's what I love about the Bible, as you read through that, there's so much in it uh, for us. And we just finished last week, uh, Pastor Aaron finished up uh, the series on evangelism. Before that, we looked at the book of Jonah uh, for a couple weeks. Before that, I think it was a year and a half, maybe a little over a year, we looked at the book of Mark. Uh, next week, we're going to begin a summer series on the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's just all these different series which are, are great, and it's, I love just seeing how the Bible connects. Uh, Pastor Aaron knew he was going to be away, so he just he kind of popped into my office and said, so June 30th, you know, I'm going to be gone. Would you like to preach? And he said, it can be a standalone sermon. And we have standalone. It means it doesn't really connect with any other series. Um, and I thought about that. I said, I would love to because there is something I want to preach about about a couple of men who had to stand alone, had to do something on their own. So that's not a misprint on the back where it says standalone. It's not like, oh, you know, Mary forgot to write the title of the sermon. No, it's called standalone because we're going to look, look in the Word about these men who had to stand alone. And what does that mean for us today? They are two unsung heroes, really. Uh, they're not even named but I believe that we can learn from their uh, example uh, this morning. And, and I hope that as I uh, expound upon some of uh, God's Word today, that you are blessed through that. Uh, I know many of you who uh, go through uh, a reading of the Bible. You know, if you start in Genesis, usually eh, around Leviticus, you know, you kind of drop off. Maybe you make it, um, you know, into the Kings. Uh, we're going to be looking at First Chronicles today. When's the last time you looked in First Chronicles? It's on the left side of the Bible. So if you open it up, split it in half, 
You end up in Psalms, split that in half, you should be right around 1 Chronicles. Um, page 354 in the blue pew Bible, and I will remind you again, if you do not have a Bible, this one is available for you. We want everyone to have the Word of God available to them. Feel free to take this. This is our gift to you. If you do not have a Bible, uh, that's there for you. 1 Chronicles 26, 18. Now, it's going to get even weirder. It's not only a standalone sermon. It's not only in 1 Chronicles, but my verse is based on the King James Version. For those of you under 35, that's a translation that I grew up with. Uh, it, it was good for the Apostle Paul and myself. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an older version which has some beautiful English in it. I mean, if you read it, it really has some really uh, beautiful translations in it. Um, and I will not be quoting from the message this morning because I want to stay in, uh, in King James Version. But First Chronicles 26, 18, the King James Version says, At Parbar Westward... Four at the causeway and two at Parbar. You, you, you see where I'm going already with today's sermon. You already have the outline in your mind because it's like, I already know where he's going with this. Do you see the two heroes that are mentioned here? They are the unnamed two at Parbar. They are unnamed temple guards. Now, some of the original context, just so I'm not going to grab this out, but some of the original context of this passage finds David giving orders for the temple. So with his military genius and his organizational ability, David not only designed the temple, he also designed the service for the temple. And after he gave orders concerning the priesthood, he told the rest of the Levites that they also had work to do. Now, remember, the, the Levites were the... Uh, from the tribe, the holy family, the holy tribe. All priests had to be Levites. But not all Levites were priests. So David saw to it that every member of the family of Levi had a ministry. There was a job for them. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. In, in verse 1, he talks about the, the porters or the gatekeepers. And he goes through... I'm not even going to read anything from verses 26 through 11 because it's, it's a bunch of names and I would stumble over them. But we're going to look at different phrases in those uh, passages. And, and in ch- uh, verse 1 of chapter 26, he talks about the gatekeepers. They were the temple guards. The temple's gold and the silver utensils and other valuables needed protection. And in verse 17, it says, there were six Levites a day on the east, four a day on the north, four a day on the south, and two at a time at the storehouse. So you're getting that he is, he's talking about everything that's going on, and there is an order to it. And verse 18, which is what we're looking at today, the Hebrew word translated parbar is parbar. They don't know what it means. It's likely that Parbar was a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, A gate opened up to that suburb, and you remember the temple was built up from the lower land, so there was a causeway which led up to the gate itself. There were many entries, many gates, um, some that we're very familiar with, and some like this to a Parbar, kind of 
you know, was it the back door? I'm not sure. It was just there was a, a, another entrance here. Two guards were stationed at that suburb and four more at the causeway, which adjoined the temple gate. So from that, the, that's the basic meaning of the verse. But these heroes, these two unnamed men, illustrate at least four principles uh, which I believe are extremely relevant to us today. And that's what I want us to, to look at. First, every believer has a job. Just like the Levites, believers are also part of the holy family. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We are part of a holy family. And as part of that holy family, every believer has work to do within the church of Jesus Christ. God has called us to do something. We are not just to sit back and observe. We are to be active participants. An Italian economist developed a theory that in any country, 20% of the people will hold 80% of the wealth. Now, that works other ways, too. In any organization, 20% of the people will do 80% of the work. And unfortunately, the church often has not been able to beat those averages. We continue to have a lot of people doing a lot of different jobs. And there are some, this is not to be a guilt-driven sermon, but the shoe fits. We need, to be, we need to be active in what God has called us to do. Um, God has placed us here for a reason. Uh, a coach once said in an interview, he said, a football, fi- uh, uh, football is 22 men running around on a field in desperate need of rest, watched by 50,000 fans desperately in need of exercise. We need to understand, oh, okay. <laughs> we need to understand, when I practiced this sermon yesterday, I didn't, I didn't uh, account for laughter, but if it works, uh, God designed that every believer has a job. He's given us a gift. Second, every job is important. In 2 Chronicles 35, 15, porters were not allowed to leave their posts. They were told to man that post. It was as necessary to guard Parbar as it was to guard the gate beautiful. Still, I can imagine someone thinking Parbar was not that important. He might go there and pull out his tablet. That was supposed to be a joke. And, and start playing some kind of game. Because who, who knows anything about Parbar? Who knows anything about this back suburb? I mean, who would notice him anyway? The slightest task can have great significance. Every job is important. You may be a kids' worship small group leader with five students, but your job is just as important as Billy Graham preaching to millions because there is probably, and there is, an unknown uh, Sunday school teacher who led Billy Graham to Christ. You don't know who is in that. It, it may be that there's just the five of us and, oh, does it really matter? You don't know what is going to be happening 
with those kids that are in that group. And that's just one area. Um, if, if you think about your house, uh, the most important light in the house is not the grand, great chandelier in the entranceway. It's that little night light in the hallway which keeps you from breaking your neck on the way to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And that's all you need, just that little light, and you can see. So the, the, the task, every job is important, and that's what God has called us. You know, when I started working here in uh, 1996, I met uh, a, a couple who came in every August on a Thursday to do one thing. They polished the pews. And I remember, you know, that first August, I was there, oh, this is the week that, and I won't name, they're not here at the church anymore, uh, but I won't name them, because they, they wanted to, they didn't want to be named. They said, we're just coming in, it's just our task. We just, we want to take that part off of Washington, who's the, the church sexton. We want to come in here, and they would just be polishing the pews up and down. Um, it was something that was important to them because they thought when people are coming in, you want to, you know, they wanted to help present something that, that looked nice and was, and was good for everyone. No one knew who they were, but it was always nice before the school year started. You came in and, and, that, and then we'd have another group uh, in December who would come in and they would assemble huge things to change the bulbs and clean all of the chandeliers, you know, and it would be a Monday night they would come and do it but and it, it wasn't a big deal it's just they wanted to do that you know and some of these tasks that we would uh we may think about as being unimportant every job is important whatever your job god sees it as important uh, third every believer must be qualified in first chronicles 26 verses 4 to 8 the writer indicates there that there are four qualifications for any job. The first is found in verse 5 where God blesses Obed-Edom. Now this blessing refers to many offspring. It names all of these, uh, all of these children, these sons, and it says uh, at the end of verse 5, it says, for God blessed him. He was fruitful. He multiplied himself. Every believer ought to be multiplying and reproducing themselves in others. It's not just for us. We need to be passing that on. Uh, I've heard uh, that every believer needs to have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. We need someone who is above us, who is teaching us and guiding us. We need a Barnabas, somebody who's walking alongside of us and encouraging us. And we need a Timothy, somebody that we are pouring our life into. Think about that. Do you have those in your life? Um, we need to be fruitful and reproducing ourselves. The second qualification in verse 6 is great ability or courage. If you look in, uh, I'm not sure if it's the NIV or the ESV, but it keeps saying, says, they were able, able. Able. But the translation is different for each of those, uh, taken in that context there. Here, the word able means that they were capable. They were very capable men. They had courage. The King James Version actually says that they were mighty men of valor. Uh, in many parts of the world, the church is growing in spite of persecution. 
The courage to risk one's life is a powerful testimony. God needs men and women who have the moral courage to confront a culture steeped in moral decline and theological compromise. I don't know if that's any more true than it is today. We need men and women of God to be men and women of God who are courageous and will take a stand to confront a culture that is steeped in moral decline and theological compromise. We have the truth, and his name is Jesus. If you remember in John, he said, I am the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life because I am the truth. So we're not giving them a doctrine. We're not giving them a theological statement. We are giving them a person, the name of Jesus Christ. He is that truth that this world needs. Uh, another qualification for the believer is persistence. That's the word translated in verse 7, able. And, and it seems to indicate there that it's strength through long periods of time. I thank God for the men and women who year after year faithfully serve God and never give up. Those who showed up every week to teach me in Sunday school. I know what kind of kid I was. And yet, they showed up every week. They were persistent. They knew that they needed to be there and to push through whatever me and my friends gave them. <laughs> and that's true of us, that we, we can't just give up at the slightest pushback. Because if you've been on the other side of that, you know that you're stronger through that. Uh, any of you that do you know, bodybuilding, like me. That, that one, no. Uh, and I talked to a lot of these things, a lot of the, the examples I'm going to give are from youth group. Because I, I talk to them about this a lot. It's like, you think about what weightlifting and, and, and bodybuilding is, you are literally ripping the muscle apart. And you have to give it rest, and it grows back stronger. And that's what persistence is. It's just like it's pushing through some of the things which may be tough, but you're going to be stronger on the other side. Uh, a salesman once read an advertisement which told him that if he would send them $300, he would be sent the secret of how to increase his income immediately. So, of course, he, he mailed in the $300, and he got the answer on a card with two words on it. It said, work harder. <laughs> and often the secret of success is just to keep on keeping on, just to be persistent, to push through. Um, that's what God has called us to do. And then uh, another uh, qualification is found in verse 8 where it says, The sons of Obed-Edom were said to be able men qualified, which means they were capable. And remember, consecrated inefficiency is still inefficiency. Dedicated incompetence is still incompetence. God wants believers to sharpen their tools for the task, to become capable servants for Jesus Christ. I want to say, wow, it might have been 15 years ago. Uh, I knew that I was going to be moving out of just doing youth ministry and more into an associate role. And uh, I think it 
my title that year was Pastor of Family Ministries. And I knew it was going to be a little more organizational. And I said, you know, all of my, the education I have is theological, and I need to get something a little more from the leadership side. And so I signed up, and I took a class at NIAC on leadership. I was the oldest student, and I was older than the professor, which was kind of weird. Uh, but I, I went and I learned some more skills which hopefully has helped me now as I move more and am in the associate pastor role, which has some more administration and coming alongside of Aaron and helping him. But I knew that I hadn't attained it. I still needed to learn, and I still am continuing to do that uh, by reading different books and magazines and listening to podcasts and just knowing that I need to continue to learn uh, so that I am more capable at what God has called me to do. So those are the qualifications. Now, the fourth and final principle that we get from our two at Parbar uh, is perhaps the most important. The greatest ability is dependability. It would have been no good to have the greatest guard in the world at Parbar if he did not show up. Can you imagine the king unable to sleep one night and he goes for a walk and he goes, I'm going I'm to check on the two at Parbar. I mean, hopefully he knew their names. But so he goes, I'm going to go check on them. And he's, he's walking around and, and there's nobody there. They hadn't shown up that night. You know, can you imagine how the king would have treated them the next day? Or what if something had happened while they were gone? Our job as, uh, part of our jobs as believers is to be dependable. The greatest athlete, the most gifted vocalists, serve no purpose if they are not dependable and do not show up. You think of any task that happens here within the church. If Sunday morning at 9.15, 9.20, Pastor Aaron and I walk in and we go, um, where's, the, where's the worship team? Oh, they didn't think anybody, you know, the like the songs they were going to do today, so they just didn't show up. That would be an interesting time of worship. Uh, our greeters, what if they decide, ah, we're not going to show up, and you come up and the doors are locked. You know, they're not unlocked for you to get in. It's like, well, you know, we just, we, our job really isn't that important, so we don't need to show up. Or down the hallway, those of you with kids, imagine going in there and there's like, there's 12 kids and there's no adults in here. Well, they can take, just close the door. They can take care of themselves. You know, that's not the way anything works. There is a, and a, dependability and and accountability, really, at that point as well, to what we are called to do. So you might be thinking, oh, this is great. You're giving me some great ideas. But how do I know where I'm called to serve? There are a lot of different things that I can, there are a lot of different spots here that I hear up front, oh, you need people in uh, you, working in the nursery, you need people for mega sports, you need people at Grace Connect, you need people at Greeters. We need, it's always, I hear all these, I don't know if I am good enough or, or am I what you need? As Pastor Aaron would say, great question. So I'm going to give you uh, five things to look at. So on the left side of your blank side of your bulletin, I want you to write the letters S and and this way. So, S, H, A, P, and E. It's the word shape. God has shaped you 
for service. So we're going to talk about, well, what shape are you? And we're going to look at these different things very briefly at them. S, spiritual gift. What is the gift that the Holy Spirit has given you? 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 give a list of some of the spiritual gifts. I don't believe that those are an exhaustive list of all of the spiritual gifts. God has gifted you, and it says in 1 Corinthians 12, it says the Holy Spirit gives a gift to you. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit fills you, you are given at least one spiritual gift, maybe more. Do you know what that spiritual gift is? Do you know what God has given you uh, to serve others with? Find out what your spiritual gift is. I'll, I'll get to that uh, in just a moment. Find out what your gifts are. Pray for a gift. Then test it out. Uh, again, the, uh, I can think of the number of times in youth group where we've talked about spiritual gifts, and I'll give a, uh, an assessment um, and every time you give one of those, they always say, I don't want to take a test. It's not a test, it's an assessment. You're answering questions to help you understand who you are better. And pass that out, and I said, and then just let me know, after you've done that, you know, what, what are some of the possible gifts that you have? It's, it's not going to tell you, your gift is the, it says, but you, you might have this particular gift. And I know of two people in particular who they came back to me and said, kind of surprised that they said, well, this says that I have the gift of teaching. I said, really? I said, all right, well, we need to test it out now. How about you teach youth group in a couple of weeks? And I'll come alongside you, we'll grab a coffee, and I'll help you come up with something, and we'll talk through it. And two, two guys did that. Um, and one, uh, and not all of this correlates particularly to that thing, there were other aspects of it as well. But one of them uh, it became a pastor and a camp director. Uh, it's actually Pastor Aaron's older brother, um, Dan. He came and said, ah, I think this is it. I said, well, teach youth group. Uh, and another one, Jared Haig. He said, I think this is it. I said, well, teach youth group. And now Jared and Tori are doing our young adult group that meets here every Tuesday night. You know? and, and sometimes it's like you've got to test it. What is that spiritual gift? Uh, H. H is for heart. Where is your heart at? What do you just love to do? God is not going to have you serve in an area that you just absolutely hate. God's not like that. He wants you to, 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 to enjoy what you're doing as you serve Him. So where is, uh, where is that, that, that place? What, do you love? what people groups do you love to minister to? Seek ways you can do that. We are connected with so many, with, with Star of Hope, you can get involved in, in an urban ministry in downtown Patterson. Maybe that's where your heart is. Um, maybe it's with children. Maybe it's with, with senior citizens. You just feel a call to help them. Find a place where you can do that and then go and do it. Uh, next week, uh, one of our girls, Rachel Van Lenten, is heading down to uh, the DR to work with the kids. We took her on a trip, and she came back and she says, I love working with those kids. She has another opportunity. She's going to go do it again. So where is your heart? Find a place where you 
can serve, that you love to do that. A is for abilities. What are you just good at? Has God given you some abilities? Is it singing? Is it organizing? Maybe it's carpentry. You're just really good. I do not have that gift. I know that. So if you have that gift, I'd love to talk to you. I have some ideas. Um, How can God use those abilities to serve others? We go through some of these different things in, uh, again, in youth group, and I just, we've had a couple who just, I am, I love organizing things. And they're the ones that we just start talking, and all of a sudden I glance over, and they're already writing notes. They have bullet points. Here's the action steps to follow up with. And that's the ability that they have. And so I, I jump on that ability. Um, but God has given you certain abilities that you just, you're just good at. Find ways where you can use those abilities to serve others. Uh, P is personality. Are you introverted like me? You just, you don't, you don't enjoy being in front of people. Uh, I'm, no, uh, I'm extroverted, obviously. Um, are you task-driven? Do you like to see it, go through it, and make sure it's done? Check it off that list. This is what I want to do. Do you love the details? Do you love coming alongside and just kind of saying, in order for that to happen, here's the 12 things that have to get done. In this order, and let's make sure they get done. Check them off. Maybe you're a person who, in working on a task or something, you just want to make, are, are we all getting along? <laughs> Sometimes in a group, you know, it's like, People, I'm a high I if you do a disc, which means I'm a, I'm a people person, and I just, I love partying with people and just having fun with people. I drive the detail and the task people crazy. It's like, would you please stay on, just keep doing that. What's your personality? Because all of those are needed in order for the church to work. We don't need a 150 task-driven people here. We don't need 150 detailed, we definitely don't need 150 party people here. We just, whatever God has the personality, use that. Come alongside others. And, and it just, it, that's the way God has designed the church. He knew what he was doing when he was putting it together. E is for experience. You have experiences that you have gone through that God can use in helping and serving others. I say this often, God will never let an experience go to waste. So the sophomore year of, uh, of college, I was down in Texas, Baylor University, and right after, it, it was right before Christmas break, I got a call from my mom, and she goes, are you done with your finals? I'm like, yeah. She goes, are you sitting down? I'm, and she was in New Jersey. So I'm like, that's a really weird question to ask somebody on the phone. Uh, no, but... All right, I'm sitting down now. She goes, all right, we just got back from the doctor. Dad has cancer. So that's why I needed to make sure you were seated. Oh, okay. What, you know, what's going to be happening with us? Came home uh, Christmas Day. I will never forget it. Um, we were in New York City at, um, I think it was Columbia, and we found out Christmas Day it was malignant. And we went downstairs to the cafeteria, and that's where we had our Christmas lunch. That, uh, just, it was just a, a bizarre day. He had lymphoma. We dealt through a bunch of issues with that, with chemotherapy and, and everything that goes with that. So that was my sophomore year. That would have been 1981, okay? Fast forward to 1996. 
first year here at Grace, and uh, associate pastor Paul Wharton, I was able to work with him for a little bit, and he had a son, David uh, Wharton, who was a junior in high school, and he just found out that his dad had lymphoma. And I said, well, let's, let's go out and grab a coffee. Let's go grab, grab lunch. And I, I remember we parked over at, because uh, he just, he wanted to talk. He was having to deal with, how, how do I handle my dad having cancer? I'm not sure what to do. And I remember us sitting in the Graydon parking lot. It would have been probably around 1130, because they have lunch from 11 to 1140 if you go to Ridgewood High School. And he's just, he was angry, and I said, Dave, I know what you're going through. And he looked at me, and he just yelled. He goes, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. My dad had lymphoma. I know exactly what you're feeling. The night I found out, I, I had it out with God. I went to a lake just outside of Baylor. I screamed at him. You know, how can you... My dad is the music minister. He's the head of the deacons. How you can do that? And, and then David's going, yeah, I'm thinking, my dad is a pastor. How are you letting him do that? And because of the shared experience that I thought, how's God ever going to use that? He used it 15 years later. It was an experience that was able to come alongside of him and kind of help him deal with what he was going through. And Paul ended up passing away. Uh, but because I'd already had that relationship with David, I was able to be there for him and help him through it. God will never let an experience go to waste. You may be thinking something you've dealt with, and it's like, nobody, get, no, nobody knows that what I'm going through, and, and, and it's something I went through on my own. God's going to use it somehow. Either the way he developed you as a person through that and made you stronger and maybe helped you understand more of who he is as God, the, the, the love you have for his people, the church, maybe they came alongside you and encouraged you, you're going to be able to use that. You may have an opportunity with exactly what you've dealt with to stand next to somebody and say, I know exactly what you're going through. And that's what a lot of us need. We need somebody who kind of understands it. So the experience as well. So what's the shape that God has given you? And you may go through that and it's like, this is all sounds really good. I don't know how to do any of this. Take a shape assessment online. Just Google shape assessment and it'll give you something to help you figure out your spiritual gift, where your heart is, your abilities, personality, experience. And it'll say, these are some of the different ideas of places that you can serve at your local church. Saddleback is the one who's kind of come up with this whole assessment. So go through that. See what God has planned for you, and then let us know. We're always talking about places to serve. We talk about uh, the service opportunities brochure. We have a place. Just say, I'm thinking about this. You know, could, could I work there? Maybe it's in the nursery. Maybe you're one of the few gifted to work with middle school students. There are just a handful of us. Uh, <laughs> and maybe that's it. Maybe that's where God's called you. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I just, I love playing this particular instrument. And I'm, I'm going to ask Ilya, you know, could I do this sometime? I, I like doing this. You wanna, maybe you just love making people feel like when they walk in those back doors, this is home. You know, talk to... Uh, the Pringles or the Goons, and join the Usher team, the, the, uh, the greeting team. Maybe you, you want to just share information. Join the Grace Connect team. We have 
computer people, we have sound people, we have a security and a medical team that hopefully you never meet. We have our security team. They will walk around and they have these gorgeous maroon shirts uh, that just say security on them. You know, we have, there's a lot of different places to get involved here because it takes a lot for the, the, the church to work properly. And God has gifted us to do that. Everything that is needed for a church to, to run, a local church to run, I believe, God has here. I don't think there's anything that's like, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? Well, if God has, get, has called the church to do it, those people are there. And we've had different ministries rise up because somebody said, I think it was just a couple of years ago, you know, Heidi Cameron goes, I want to start a mops here. And we've had mops for several years, and we have to kind of, we've had to cut off registration. There's so many people that are a part of that, which is awesome. You know, there, there's places for you to get involved. Continually be aware that we each have a role to play. Every job is important. We should seek to be qualified and that the greatest ability is dependability. At Parbar Westward, four at the causeway and two at Parbar. Let's pray.